If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. A lot of us are looking for ways to start our day feeling more joy and appreciation. And while some of us write gratitude lists or do yoga, others pour themselves a bowl of their favorite cereal, Honey Nut Cheerios. Because not only are Honey Nut Cheerios delicious, they can help lower cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. So maybe the secret to a great mood all day is a little yoga. Then writing your gratitude list over a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. Learn more about a heart-healthy lifestyle at Cheerios.com. You're listening to Wellness Talk with your host, George Batista. Lively music to pick you up on a beautiful Sunday. I want to welcome all of you to the show. This is your weekly health and wellness update. This is the show that goes over the latest in health and healing, nutrition, fitness, and all the great things we can do to live a long, happy, and healthy life and have fun doing it. I'm George Batista, your host as always. This show is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, prevent, or cure any illnesses. So as always, always talk with your doctors when wanting to start a new program or uh, change your current programs. All right, so I'm glad you guys are taking some time out to listen to me this week. And uh, I'm gonna bring you up to date on what's been going on. Uh, First of all, from Science Daily, uh, which is a little more mainstream, we're going to talk about building muscle and living longer because you're building muscle. Strength training, how about that? Okay, uh, there's some studies on strength training and how it affects longevity. And this is good because I I always advocate strength training as, as part of any fitness program because I mean we know stretching and aerobics and yeah that's also all good things too you know those are good things to do but strength training does so many beneficial things and to me there's nothing like just using your muscles and really um, just kind of uh, you know building your strength so you can you know do things whether it's run with your children or your grandchildren or just have more strength to do things in life I, don't know, I, I always feel you, you, you feel better doing it so anyway I'm going to talk about that then we're going to talk about the dangers of belly fat 
how many people do we see on a regular basis? Uh, I mean, literally, you could just go to anywhere. You can go to a park, you can go to the movies, and you see men and women uh, both with uh, enormous amounts of belly fat. It's a it's a big thing, and um, it's it's so common nowadays. So, but there's a lot of dangers that go along with it, and um, so we're going to talk about some studies out of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota which were very telling regarding belly fat, very interesting, uh, especially when it comes to cardiovascular disease. And that's, by the way, from Baseline of Health Foundation. Then, we're going to talk about the known dangers of zinc deficiency. So first of all, we're going to focus in this week on zinc and um, you know how important it is in the diet. And then why you don't want to be deficient in zinc, because it can lead to a host of problems. So I'll go over that, specifically immune problems as well. Um, so we'll talk about where you can get zinc, why it's important, and uh, what you should be doing about it. Then, from natural news, we're going to talk about spirulina as a functional food for diabetes management. Now, those of you who listened to the show, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, or maybe three weeks ago, I'm not, puzzled, I'm not exactly sure, um, I, did a, I did a spotlight on spirulina and how important it was to include in your diet or in your smoothies in the morning, which I included every morning, and the great things about it, particularly all the vitamins and minerals that are in it. Well, we're going to talk about how new studies are showing, this is out of Korea, by the way, how new studies are showing that it actually can be a functional food for diabetes management. So those of you who are dealing with diabetes or pre-diabetes and any kind of insulin resistance, you may want to take a listen to this because spirulina is one of the best things out there for you uh, if you want to keep yourselves out of that or, you know, help yourselves in that, you know, if you're in that situation in the first place. So... That's what we got on tap today, some good information, so let's get started. First from Science Daily, uh, a study regarding older adults, build muscle and you'll live longer. Now this was, this was uh, research out of UCLA, and the research suggests that the more muscle mass older Americans have, the less likely they are to die prematurely. Okay, so this adds to the uh, to the growing evidence of you know body composition, um, and and we're not just talking about BMI. A lot of people are so obsessed with BMI or b body mass index, which is really not the best predictor of how healthy someone is, and they're realizing that now. Um, it, they're saying that this overall body composition, actually muscle size, is actually a better predictor of all-cause mortality than BMI and all these other types of things. So, the researchers analyzed data collected by the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey uh, conducted between 1988 and 1994. Now, they focused on a group of 3,659 individuals that included men who were 55 or older and, and women who were 65 uh, and older at the time of the survey. Now, um, they 
the body composition of the study subjects was measured using bio bioelectrical impedance now it basically involves you know running an electrical current through the body and I know it sounds kind of weird but it was actually very controlled because muscle allows the current to pass more easily through than fat does so due to the muscles water content that's that's kind of like why it it it, um, it actually passes easier when there's more muscle in the body. So in this way, the researchers could determine uh, a muscle mass index, which was the amount of muscle relative to height. And it's kind of similar to a body mass index, but it's done a little bit in a different way. So they looked at how much this muscle mass index was related to the risk of death. Okay. Now they found, which is very interesting, that all cores mortality was significantly lower in the fourth quartile, quartile of mass uh, of muscle mass index compared to the first quartile okay so what they said here and I'm quoting here one of the scientists said in other words the greater your muscle mass the lower your risk of death how simple is that okay now why is this important because we know that a lot of people uh, obviously you know let's just take aside the people who don't work out at all Okay, let's put them to the side, for example. But we have other people who, who are just focused on things like cardio and things like yoga and things like, uh, and I'm talking light stuff. I'm talking about, you know, just running long distances and, and you know, being on a treadmill. And that's all good. That's all, that's all good. You, and, you know, that, uh, that's all part of that. But when you look at the research now that has come out regarding exercise, and when you really look at it, especially the the uh, the newer science now that has come out of exercise they're realizing that the the really peak fitness that people need to be uh, you know doing okay is um, higher intensity training when it comes to using a lot of muscle when it comes to f um, shorter bursts of activity and um, this is what is really changing gene signals in the body so we're talking about let's say getting up in the morning if you if you do your workouts in the morning you know if you're doing some kind of strength training it doesn't have to be weights it could be push-ups and and but you know body weight exercises but things that stimulate muscle okay you want to do that on a regular basis in intense short intense bursts uh, number one you're gonna get the maximum gains that you can on muscles number you know because you're gonna get those fibers those muscle fibers that you want to get specifically the fast twitch fibers but number two you wanna you when you're doing these types of exercises these peak fitness exercises short burst exercises you're also activating gene signaling you're activating metabolic signals you're resetting your metabolism for the rest of the day and you're you know you're doing things to live longer now that plus the fact that if you work out with any kind of weight so if you do really um, high intensity work with weights um, even body weight exercises and things like that strength training you're also using up a lot of the glycogen stores um, that are you know stored in your muscle okay so those of you who eat high carbohydrate diets you know you're going to be making room for more glycogen stores in your body in general this is what you want this is key this is one of the things that's going to help you out specifically with insulin resistance now we know that insulin resistance and diabetes are one of the biggest problems and this is this is one of the biggest um, 
uh, problems in society today. Okay, because now kids are getting these things, you know, these these issues uh, very very quickly. So we want to you you know you want to have mechanical work with muscle, and mechanical work with muscle. By the way, many of you do not know that the science has also shown that mechanical work with muscle and strength training also activates the cardiovascular system. So in other words, you cannot, you, you know, people think of just cardio and running and long distance cardio is just doing, you know, that's for cardio and then strength training is for muscle. Well, no. Okay, the, the science has shown, and if you really look at the science on actually how this works and ATP and all this, you realize that when you're doing mechanical work with muscle, you are also using the cardiovascular system. You are conditioning the cardiovascular system as well. Even if you're doing it in short bursts, because of the intensity of the exercise, the higher the intensity, the more you are pulling the cardiovascular system into it. Okay? The, the science shows this. It's very, very key here. All right? So, you know, mechanical work with muscle, weight training, resistance training, all this is great, and you should be doing this till you're old, you know, till you're older as uh, because it's also going to help protect your bones. It's also going to help protect um, um, you from, you know, all kinds of fractures and uh, against osteoporosis and all these types of things. So this is this is key stuff. This is very very specific stuff. And again, stuff that I recommend on a regular basis for those of you, especially if you're getting older, uh, you don't want to deal with things like sarcopenia, which is a muscle, you know, muscle wasting as you get older. You can keep your muscles built. And um, I mean, I tell you what, there's, like I, I've said before, there's 70 and 80 year old guys who are doing weightlifting competitions and who are in bodybuilding competitions making us young guys look <laughs> very bad. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's just my take on it. So just something to keep in mind. Next, from the Baseline of Health Foundation, written by Beth Levine, this is the Belly Fat Dangers. Well, this was a study which was led by scientists at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, found that having a large waist circumference increased the risk of developing cardiovascular disease, respiratory illness, and cancer, as well as dying prematurely. Now, these subjects were 650,386 men and women between the ages of 20 and 83 from various nations. Okay, And this is what they found during uh, this type of uh, study. Okay? The men who had a waist circumference of 43 inches or greater were found to have uh, a mortality risk that was 50% above that of men who had waist less than 35 inches in circumference. Okay, so uh, the difference was determined to be responsible for a life expectancy that was approximately three years lower for those over 40 years old. Okay, so just keep the now the the study also found that the outcomes were even worse for women, which I thought this was very interesting. Those women with a waist circumference of 37 inches or more faced a mortality risk that was found to be approximately 80 percent 80 percent higher than that of women whose waists were 27 inches in circumference or smaller. Okay, in addition, their life expectancy was roughly five years less after the age of 40. So how about that? Okay, again, waist size has a lot to do with it. A lot of people don't think about it, but waist size does have a lot to do with it. Now, why is that? Well, you have, 
obviously, you know, a lot of people walking around with, you know, a lot of belly fat. You have different types of fats. You have to remember that you have you have visceral fat, okay, which is the fat that you can see on the outside. So you see a lot of belly fat, you know, wherever the fat you see on the outside, that's visceral fat. Then you have subcutaneous fat, which is the fat that you cannot see. That's the fat on the inside. And a lot of people don't realize that just because there's, if they're seeing fat on the outside, there is also fat building up on the inside. Fat builds up on the inside of your arteries. Fat builds up on the inside, on the outside of your arteries, by the way, also. Okay, which can lead to atrial fibrillation. Fat also um, uh, accumulates uh, around organs, okay, and clogs up organs. Now, now you got to remember, abdominal fat is much more inflammatory than other fat accumulation around the body. Okay, so we know that abdominal fat also signifies an increase in liver fat, and it actually it actually can clog a major metabolic organ. Okay, liver or whatever whatever the case may be, you know. So you got to get on track, which it's not just a matter of sometimes cutting calories, okay, or doing some exercises, but sometimes you have to you have to work metabolically to get yourself metabolically back in shape, so your your body can use the fat differently. This is what I call, you know, uh, what I always talk about, which is metabolic fitness. Now, ways you can do this, okay, you have to increase nutrients. Okay, especially those that help to reduce the fat, okay, or the, the white adipose tissue inflammation, okay. Um, uh, also, nutrients that helps a person recover from exercise, okay. So, you know, if you aren't in good enough shape to do that kind of exercise, then your primary goal is to, you know, work your way up to that specific level, okay. So, even, you know, let's just say you haven't worked out in many, many, many years and you got a lot of fat on you. You know, you want to start slowly, but you want to start with enough intensity. So a good walking program where you get where you get a good oxygen going. But now, you're not going to keep that program uh, for a long, long time because what's going to happen is the body's going to start to get used to that. So then you start to bring it up to maybe a little more power walking or something like that. But you want to get yourself to a point where you're actually using the most oxygen you can use without, you know, but at the, at, at the same time get a good... Uh, response to that exercise. Okay, so if you're going to keel over on the floor, no, that's not what you want to do. But the key here is what I'm saying is that you need to work on this. This is something that you've got to work on, and that's reducing this belly fat because it is the most dangerous fat out there. Because again, it can mean clogging of the liver. It can mean uh, it can mean something called non um, non alcohol related. Uh, um, uh, liver, you know, liver problems, basically, okay, and, uh, you know, and, and this is an issue, because when you clog up your liver, you're going to have a lot of problems, you're talking about cholesterol problems, you're talking about, you know, inability to burn, to burn uh, glycogen correctly, this is going to lead to, eventually, liver-related insulin resistance, leads to all different kinds of problems, so you, you know, so, I'm not saying you need to have a flat six-pack, but you need to get your body in a trend where it's losing the weight as gradually as possible because as you're losing it, you, you, other things are going to start to disappear. Remember, insulin resistance uh, is going to be one of the things that you're going to deal with if you continue with having, you know, a good amount of belly fat, okay? Um, and there's a good, you know, good percentage of people that are going to have to deal with that, all right? So it's just something to keep in mind. Again, I've talked about this as well in the uh, uh, in previous shows.
a good simple way to measure where you want to be when it comes to belly fat or your you know your waist size in general you take your height in inches you cut that in half and whatever your height is in on, in half that's that's where you that's going to be your marker so for example okay if you have a you know have a you know 6 foot pound gentleman 72 inches you cut that in half 36 inches you don't want it to be more than that okay that's where you want to be 6 pound you know so just use your height cut it in half and whatever that top number is you don't want to go past that that's a good indicator of where you want to be obviously the lower the better you know but within within reason okay so that's that next uh, new study touts spirulina as functional food for diabetes management. Well, we know that spirulina, okay, is a uh, is a very is a blue green algae, okay, that uh, has become a staple of a lot of different superfoods out there. I know I take it on a regular basis in my superfoods, and um, by the way, just so you know that the superfoods I take are. Uh, tested for heavy metals and contaminants on a regular basis, including radioactivity if it comes from different parts of the world. Uh, so when you, if you do get superfoods and powders that contain spirulina and chlorella, if you if if you find that they're coming from different places in the world, whether it's China, Japan, especially places that have radioactive problems, call the company or email the company and find out if they're doing any tests regarding radioactivity and or heavy metals. Uh, and if they are, and if they're a good company, they should be able to send you an email showing you those tests and letting you know uh, that they are regularly doing those. Okay, that's how you can tell the quality of many of those companies. Just so you know that. That's that's just an aside. Anyway, this was a this was a study out of Korea, and it was the researchers recruited 37 diabetics who were making regular clinic visits for their condition. Okay, which was you know obviously diabetes. They were randomly assigned as study subjects consuming spirulina or as part of a control control group without spirulina. The spirulina group was given 8 grams per day, which is a lot, okay? Uh, a pretty hefty amount considering how light the powder is. Now, this is what they found, okay? Uh, spirulina supplementation had no effect on body mass index, but it significantly decreased, it, it was a significant decrease in serum triglyceride levels and blood pressure which is common among t t you know type 2 diabetic sufferers also spirulina reduced plasma uh, I, can, I can never say this melandial uh, well whatever melandialhyde levels which are with basically biomarkers for oxidative stress so it basically reduced markers for oxidative stress Spirulina subjects also experience a rise in pla plasma adiponectin levels, okay? Now, you know, adiponectin is a hormone that comes out of your fat that actually helps with insulin sensitivity, okay? So, and it helps with blood, you know, uh, blood insulin regulation, okay? So, uh, they, um, they also noted that spirulina was more effective among those studied who were suffering from dyslipidemia, Okay, conditions of poor lipid or, or poor fat digestion that leads to higher lipids or triglycerides or cholesterol. Okay, so uh, basically what they're saying here is that the results suggest that spirulina is a promising agent as a functional food for diabetes management. Think about, if you think about it, it reduces it reduced triglyceride levels, blood pressure, 
It reduces lipid levels, okay? <clears throat> Again, cholesterol levels as well, oxidative stress levels. How many, how many pharmaceutical pills do you find that can do that? If this was a pill made by a pharmaceutical company, it would be the biggest blockbuster in the world, right? So this is spirulina, a blue-green algae out of the sea that does some fantastic things. So again, uh, if, you're, if you're dealing with diabetes or pre-diabetes or you just want to keep yourself as healthy as possible, consuming spirulina is one of the best things. It has a good amount of protein in it. It has fantastic vitamins and minerals within it as well. You can consume it in your superfoods in the morning, and it's great. Now, again, keep in mind that these folks here were on 8 grams a day. So that's a lot. That's a lot of spirulina a day. I don't know if you're going to be taking 8 grams a day, but you know what? Even if you take 3 to 4 grams a day, it's still a good enough amount to make a difference and to keep you healthy. So just keep those things in mind when you want to keep your pH levels at a good, you know, good optimal level. All right, next. Okay, this is from lifespa.com. And this is from Dr. John Duyard. Know the dangers of zinc deficiency. Now zinc, okay, it's a common mineral that you know a lot of times we take for granted. Now new studies are showing that as we age, zinc deficiencies are very prevalent mostly due to the lack of zinc in the diet. Okay? Now you have to understand that in the United States about 12% of the population are you know are probably considered zinc deficient uh, and probably 40% of those are actually elderly. Now just, just so you know, the recommended daily allowance of zinc is actually 15 milligrams a day, which is, which is uh, normal. But um, here's the problem with this, okay? If you're, if you're suffering from something like immunosenescence, okay, which is basically age-related weakening of the immune system, uh, you could be lacking in zinc. Now, zinc is required for more than 2,000 reactions that involve genetic expressions. Uh, translating to thousands of preventative biological functions in the body. The major impact uh, of zinc deficiencies, deficiencies appears to be correlated to the immune system, uh, but also it can help in a lot of other things. So, zinc supplementation in the elderly is responsible for restoring normal functional function of killer T cells, boosting white blood cell response to stress, and improving cellular immunity and age survival rates. Okay, key. But also, they did some studies in overweight individuals that were given 30 milligrams of zinc, uh, which was twice the RDA for one month. And the researchers found a significant reduction in weight body mass index in fasting and after-meal blood sugar levels. So for example, hemoglobin A1c which is an average blood sugar taken for you know a long period of time, and unhealthy blood lipids. Okay, uh, and the study demonstrated a 34% to 43% lower risk of glucose intolerance, all because of 30 milligrams of zinc, which is again twice the recommended uh, recommended daily allowance. Now, I'm not saying that you need to get that on a regular basis um, if you're not suffering, you know, because 15 normally, you know, 15 milligrams is normally what a lot of um, multivitamins have within them which is usually between anywhere between you know 10 to 15 milligrams of zinc they usually have them but how else can you get your zinc well zinc are found in the highest amounts in thing uh, foods like oysters beef lamb wheat germ 
spinach, pumpkin seeds, squash seeds, nuts, cocoa and chocolate, pork, and chicken. Okay. Uh, so and beans and mushrooms, by the way. Okay. So again, you know, if you're reading those on a regular basis, you probably be going to get a, a certain amount of zinc. Are you going to get all the zinc that you need? Maybe not. Um, only because again. Zinc deficiency is a big deal because of the way food is grown and the way food is cooked. You lose a lot of zinc just in the fact of how pr food is produced these days. So, um, again, I recommend everyone should be on at least, <coughs> excuse me, a good multivitamin or maybe a whole food multivitamin, high quality multivitamin. Most of those multivitamins will have zinc in it um, and preferably in a good form. Okay. Um, some people have it chelated to an amino acid. Other people have other types of uh, other types of zinc. It de depends. But again, you should know where you're getting your vitamins from, how high quality they are, and how um, how much time the the manufacturer has taken to make those vitamins and and what is in those vitamins. If you can't answer those questions, then I wouldn't be taking anything from the that manufacturer. If you can't speak with that manufacturer about what's in those vitamins, I wouldn't take those vitamins. Okay, so uh, just keep those things in mind. But again, zinc, zinc, very, very powerful, and um, something that you don't want to be deficient in. And by the way, uh, on, on an aside note, zinc is also one of the things that um, is responsible to help as part of conversion for thyroid hormone from T4 to T3. Many people don't know that, but zinc plays a part in that conversion as well. Okay? So if you're lacking in zinc, it can also, you know, be a, be a thyroid issue, you know, can contribute to a thyroid issue as well. Okay? All right, so that's pretty much it for this week. I uh, hope you guys got some good information. Uh, if you need to go, if you need to speak with me, as always, go to georgebatista.com or you can go to wellnesstalk at hotmail.com and feel free to uh, email me. Um, I will speak with you next week and uh, have the latest news. Uh, until then, have a great week. Stay healthy and, as always, be well. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, 
the Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Whatever business you're in, growth isn't just about getting bigger. At ADP, we believe it's about getting stronger by turning data into insights so you can build teams that work as teams. By using our AI technology to help catch payroll errors before their errors. And by keeping ahead of thousands of changing regulations so you can keep ahead of everything else. ADP helps businesses like yours grow stronger every day. ADP, HR talent, time, and payroll.